morning is we are in CC Sunday. And so all throughout the year, and we've done one of these already, this is our second, we're going to kind of every quarter or so, we're going to have one of these Sundays. And we are in CC Sunday is simply a time where we can remember that which God has called us to and kind of unify together as a body. And so that's today kicking off the new year. We are in CC Sunday. And so uh, on these days, what we want to do is we want to look back and look forward. Um, uh, <clears throat> this is what I believe about driving, and I think it has to do with here today. I think if you drive looking through the rearview mirror, you're going to crash, right? That's how that works, um, best I can tell. And I've crashed many times, and so um, I know how that works also. So, so we, we're going to look in the rearview mirror um, just for a moment, but I think the most important thing that we can do is to look forward to that which God has for us in the days to come. Just so you know, that's a good principle of life. If you look in the rearview mirror too long, it'll probably just immobilize you. God has a new future and a new hope always for us in this new year. God has new things for each and every one of us. So looking back um, a little bit, what what I believe that God has been doing over the years here at the North Canton Chapel, and this, I'm in my now seventh year here, which is crazy to think, um, at the North Canton Chapel, but in my time here, um, which is all I know, um, I believe that here's some things that I believe that God is doing, um, and I think this is his work in and amongst us. I believe that one of the things that the Lord is doing with us here at the chapel in North Canton is making us an increasingly Christ-centered community, making Jesus the very focal point of all that we say and do. A few weeks ago, or just last week, um, um, one of our longtime members passed away, Bill Miller, and Brandon was meeting with a family and he was talking to them about who we are as a church, and he said, hey, here's the thing. If you want to know just simply who we are at the North Canton Chapels, we just want to make much of Jesus. And so for your husband, we just want to make much of Jesus. What we want to do in everything we do here is we want to make much of Jesus. And I would say that is the core of who we are, who we want to be as a church. We simply want to be a church not full of every kind of gimmick around the corner. We just want to be a church that makes much of Jesus, that his name and who he is is proclaimed increasingly. Second is we want to be a church that mobilizes. We want to be a church that doesn't sit and kind of get comfortable inside of our walls, but we mobilize outward, that that we mobilize, again, each and every one of us in the day-to-day of life where we live, work, and play, that we are are mobilized to be salt and light in our community. But not only that, we we want to mobilize church planners and missionaries and people who have specific callings to specific places to those places. This morning, I just dropped off our boy, Tim Talley, the airport. He's flying out. He came in on a short, short trip back. And, and we have lots of missionaries, lots of, 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 and over the last seven, eight years, we've seen an increasing amount of people going out and serving. And this church has a long history of missionary support and missionary engagement. And so, so we want to be a church of mobilization we want to be a church, and we, I believe we're, we're turning and becoming this increasingly, is we want to be a church that has a biblical vision of disciple-making. The, the, the core command of what Jesus asked us to do was to go and make disciples, and we take that very, very seriously in our life. And so we want to be a church that has a biblical vision of disciple-making, and we want to be a church, and this is maybe the crux of it all, is we want to be a church that is just simply serious about our personal devotion with Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to talk about today, and I think that's what's ahead of us this year, but our personal devotion with Jesus Christ. 
See, I, I think as much as, 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 as much as we want God to do in and through the life of the North Canton Chapel, that is solely dependent on each and every one of us in this room and our personal walk with God. So we are an organized body of people together, engaging together for a greater, for a greater mission. Jesus in the scriptures, Paul talks about this, that we are one body, right? And that we, we move and we work together. And when parts of the body aren't moving and working together, there's hindrances in that. And so when we say hashtag we are NCC, we're serious that we are a collective body of people that God wants to use to see his gospel move forward in our world and to see our, our cities, Northeast Ohio and beyond, saturated with the good news of Jesus. So, said this, um, so we exist, and so here's our we exist statement. We exist to be the church who makes much of Jesus every day to everyone. And so we exist to, to do this, to be the church who makes much of Jesus every day to everyone. And, and today we're going to look at Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. And this text that we're going to look at today, I think, kind of personifies what we desire to be, who we desire to be as a church as we move into the future, and I believe specifically this year. And so, in context of this verse, before we stand and read it together, in context of this verse in 14, we'll read that he says, I bow my knees for this reason. And so this is the Apostle Paul praying for the church in Ephesus, which he kind of is his whole letter. Paul kind of has these, these moments. I, what I like about Paul sometimes in his writings is he's like me in my preaching, that that I just sort of go off tangent for a minute and I forget what I was, it almost feels like he forgot what he was writing about and he goes, oh wait, and I'm gonna come back to it and his mind kind of wandered to a specific thing. Anybody else whose minds wander in the room? Right, you're the coolest. And so, uh, <clears throat> so in this text, this is a, a prayer. Now, now, <clears throat> one of the important things before we read it is to understand that this, this, was, a, this was sort of a, a shocking moment of, of how Paul writes this. Um, because bowing your knees is sort of coming undignified. I mean, ima- I mean, just imagine someone, if you walk up to them and said, hey, I bow my knees before the Father and I pray this for you. It's deeply intimate. It's deeply connected and saying that, that I am really, really serious. This is, this is so important to who you are and to your future. Important enough that I'm going to change my posture in a very solemn way to pray this for you. So let's stand together in honor and reverence of God's word and read Ephesians three fourteen through 21. I'll read as you listen. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. <clears throat> So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father, we pray that you would help us to grasp the depths of this text, 
of your will for us. Lord, for those of us who are playing games with you, would you shake us out of our game playing? For those of us that are unwilling to take a hard look at our lives, would help us today to take a hard look at our lives. For those who feel like they have it all together, Lord, I pray that you would, you would break them in a way that draws them close to you and understands that only you have it together. Lord, those who are hurting today, I pray that you would, you would bind up their broken hearts and bring healing. Lord, for those that came into this room today that just need a word from you, Lord, I pray they'd hear it. Jesus, we, we recognize today that we need you that without you, we can do nothing of good. And so, Lord, would you help us to to see you today, to learn from you today as we look at your word. And Lord, I pray that to whatever end you desire to do that with me, you do it. Jesus, we love you and ask this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. So, um, years ago, I I got invited to... um, to be a part of this young leadership group. I was in college and I was a part of a, a, a group of students with Campus Crusade, which is now called Crew. And I was involved with this group and we were kind of growing quickly and I got <clears throat> invited to this leadership training in Fort Collins, Colorado. And so whenever you get invited to Fort Collins, Colorado and someone's gonna pay for it, you say, yes, that's how that works. And so it's an incredible place if you've ever been there. It's like right at the foot of the Rockies and it's incredible. The campus is amazing. So I went there and I was with all like 30 young leaders and we got exposed to basically all the leadership of Campus Crusade and, um, and then professors at Dallas Theological Seminary. And Dr. Hannah came in and I didn't know who Dr. Hannah was because I actually wasn't in many Christian circles at that point in my life and you may not know who Dr. Hannah is. And Dr. Hannah was this, uh, no offense to anyone who's super old, he was super old, right? <clears throat> which means he was very wise. And you could tell, like when he walked in the room, like even, even the leaders were kind of like, Dr. Hannah's here, like listen, listen to him. And, uh, and so Dr. Hannah taught us and he talked about different things in the Christian life. And it was sort of the summation of everything that he has, like the critical things that he's learned about walking with God. And at the very end, the guy who was leading it said, Dr. Hannah, if you could give these young leaders one piece of advice, what would you give? So this, I mean, incredibly smart, like deeply theological man taught at one of the best seminaries in America for for his life. And he said, if I could tell you one thing, I'd just say this, read your Bible and read it a lot. It's too simple, right? Like Like he's supposed to tell us like, hey, when people do this, you do this. Or he's supposed to give some sort of like practical advice. But he says, read your Bible and read it a lot. You know, sometimes I think think we we try to find things that are profound. But the profound is really found in the simple. Because even in that statement from Dr. Hannah, isn't that profound? Read your Bible and read it a lot. Because Dr. Hannah understood that the source of knowing God and his fullness is found in the in his truth, in his word, in his revelation of himself to us. Read your Bible and read it a lot. Sometimes the most profound things are found in the most simple. 
In 2019, here at NCC, I believe that God simply is calling us to remember the foundations, the simple. Now, I don't think there will ever be a year where he doesn't call us to do that. Um, I believe those things are very, very important. I believe that he's going to call us to focus on prayer, his word, spiritual warfare, his mission, our mission, the good news of Jesus and how my life entangles with this good news in the day-to-day of life, how my lips ought to proclaim this good news that Jesus has told us and redeemed me by. I believe that he's going to help us increasingly find our place in his kingdom here right here in this organized thing that we do called the North Canton Chapel and the organism of the church that extends far beyond our doors. One of my hopes and desires that I would never lead a church, that the organization of the church would hinder the organism of the church in our society. And I believe that as we, as people of God, walk with God, remember these simple things that we will love him and honor him and cherish him. So simplify that. I believe there's some basic competencies, right? A competency is like a baseline level of how you actually achieve or do something. So like if you want to be a lumberjack, a basic competency is you know how to run an ax, right? If you say you're a lumberjack and you don't know how to run an ax, right? You're just a dude that wears plaid. Like that's not a thing. And so it's just called a millennial. And so... uh, that's a joke. I love you. I'm kind of one. And so, uh, <clears throat> so basic competencies. I think basic competencies of the Christian life are, are this. One, that you know God. The Christian life is impossible if you don't know God. And you only can know him by repenting of your sins and turning in faith to Jesus. <clears throat> but once we come to know God, right, that we should walk with God. Right? If we don't walk with God we will not increasingly know him in the fullness of who he is, which this text is going to speak pretty extensively on. And as, by the way, I'm added, as we walk with God, um, we will change. We will be different. If you're not changing and becoming different, you're probably not walking with God. If you're as angry today as you were yesterday and two years ago and 10 years ago, you probably aren't really walking with God because what God does is when we walk with him, he pours right, his water over the fires of our flesh and he changes us and we bear fruit like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. So we know God, we walk with God and third, and this is maybe oversimplified, but we obey God. We obey God. We do what he says we ought to do And we don't do the things that he says that we ought not do. That we obey him in the day-to-day as his small voice, still voice, speaks into our lives. We learn to hear it. We learn to move and have our being through him and by him. Know God, walk with God, obey God. So in this prayer, I believe that Paul is simplifying this, this, this deep need in our hearts, the simplicity of our faith, yet it's massively profound. So Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, let's look at it together. 
So he says again, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family on heaven and earth is, is named. So this is his prayer. I'm, I'm bowing before the Father. I'm, I'm asking him this. And, and what's interesting, from, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. This is actually sort of a prayer for us. Um, because it wasn't just to the church at Ephesus. He says, hey, to all Christians, this is my hope and my desire for them. So the first is a prayer that God might give us his strength deeply in our inner beings. That God might give us his strength deeply in our inner beings. So he says, verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, so his bank account, right, of of wonder and awe and majesty, the fullness of, of who God is in his splendor, right? God is rich in mercy and grace, and God is full of the riches of his glory. He is he is he is he has awe in a way that nothing on earth can even compare. So that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you, like gift you, give the ability to be strengthened with power through his spirit strengthened with power through his spirit, built up by his presence, right? That his spirit is that which resides in us, strengthened, built up stronger and stronger and stronger by his indwelling presence of his spirit in your where, in your inner being. This is the new self in Jesus. Second Corinthians 4 says this about the new self, 4.16, that our outer body is wasting away, but your inner body is being renewed day by day. The inner dwelling place, the essence of who we are, the us who will last for all time and eternity, to be strengthened, to be built up by the presence of his spirit in our inner being, in our new self in Jesus, that which has become alive, that, which went, that was once dead. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts. And again, this is, again, residency in your depths. Again, this, and this is also a little bit re- redundant. So that, that Christ and his spirit might dwell deeply in us. The old word for this is that his, he might find his abode with us, right? His dwelling in us. And so it says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, the through faith is pretty important because it's by faith that these things happen. It's by faith that his spirit dwells. It's by faith that, that, that this is kind of the catalyst for all of this filling, all of this goodness in the depths of who we are, the transformation to happen. So this is through faith, right? Not in my ability, but so say it like this. It is faith in the source, not in the self. So faith in the source, not in the self. So faith in God, believing that God can come through, that God can strengthen me, that God can change me, that God can fill me in a way that nothing else can. Now, hear me in this, right? faith in the source, not in the self. You and I, each of us in this room, were made in the image of God. You are treasured, you are valued, and you are loved in a way that you could never think, dream, or imagine. But he made us to be filled with himself, he made us to be alive in him. And so just, in, in, just, just as you are, like he, he will accept you as you are, but he wants to change us and he wants to transform us to be his image bearers made in the ways in which he made us to live in this wor- world. So faith in the source, becoming more like him, not in the self, not just becoming more of me. So, question becomes in faith, and I'll say this from my experience. See, I, I have seen him come through over and over in my life. 
I've watched his power at work in my life and in this world. See, God comes through. And those who come through, you can place your faith in. We do this all the time in life. There are those in this world that you don't trust. Raise your hand if there's somebody in this world you don't trust, right? And everybody else lied. Like, uh, uh, like there, there's a lot of people in this world that we don't trust. Um, because they haven't come through. They have a track record of hurting. They have a track record of doing things in which, right, they just, they can't be trusted. God has no track record of that. You know, you may have questioned him at times or you may have said, why did you do this or that? But I promise you this, and I, I can say it just through one thing alone, through the cross of Jesus Christ, God proved his love for us. Right, the simple verse, right, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God loves us and God has come through and God will come through for us. So faith is, according to Hebrews, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, right? The end and beginning of what God wants us to do is to place our faith and trust in him In order to put our faith in him, sometimes we have to turn from putting our faith in other things to begin to run toward him, to go, to do. Faith means action. It is a present thing in which is happening, not a past event that we rest on the rest of our life. Faith is something for today and tomorrow and the next until we see him face to face. When you put your faith in Jesus... For the first time, it is the beginning of an increasingly, an increasingly faithful life. So first, give us his strength deeply in our inner beings. This comes through faith. Second, that he might deeply root us in his love. Deeply root us in his love. So the text continues, that you being rooted and grounded in love, rooted and grounded in love, and this this has the idea that, that we are rooted and grounded in all kinds of things. But he's saying here, specifically, make it a point to root yourself and ground yourself in love, in which Jesus is the personification of love. God is the personification of love. This is who God is. This is what it is, right? God is love. So he says, root yourself, ground yourself in me, which always poses a question, and here you go, if you want to poke around in your own life and figure out where you're at, is what are you rooted and grounded in? And in your rooted and grounded, how does it cause you to behave and act certain ways? So parents are easy to pick on, so I'll do this. So sometimes as parents, we think that we're rooted and grounded in love, and so we discipline our kids in order that they will be rooted and grounded in love and live this out. But sometimes we get really angry at our kids because they did something crazy in the mall and a bunch of people saw it. We didn't really discipline them because we want them to be rooted and grounded in love. We disciplined them because I don't want them to make me look bad. So you made me look bad, therefore you get disciplined. And so the root of my discipline, the root of my actions was in my own pride, not in a desire for God nor in a desire for my children. Anybody with me on this this morning, right? Simple illustration that gets, that gets poured out in our rooted and groundedness in a thousand ways in our life. It's in marital conflict. It's in work relationships. 
It's in profession. It's in money. It is all over the place. Our roots and our groundedness comes in all kinds of different ways or shapes and forms. Our root and groundedness can come from weird things that our grandma told us when we were a kid, right? Our rooted and groundedness can come in all kinds of places. And I believe one of the great ways in which God sanctifies us is he's changing how we think that we might be rooted and grounded in his love, that there is nothing that we do that doesn't come from him. And when we do that, I promise we glorify him in great ways. So he says that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints. Now this is the strength to comprehend, meaning that that there are some things that I need to grow in my understanding of. Just for just a moment of a sign of humility, would you just admit today that there's some things that you need to grow in knowledge of, right? Just raise your hand if that's you. Man, there's some of you that surprised me. And so, uh, that's kind of a joke. Um, And so, uh, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints that that this this love of God, that that I need to grow in my understanding of it. And this love of God, meaning growing understanding of it, is that that my heart would never grow cold to the gospel and the good news of Jesus. I remember a few years ago, we I actually like threw a music stand down as I was like trying to preach compellingly about the love of God and the gospel. And and a, a guy after the service, he came up to me and he goes, "Man, I I teared up when you were talking about the gospel." And he goes, "One of my greatest fears in life is that when someone preaches the gospel, that it doesn't stir my soul." And I'm so glad this morning that it did. Right. So this rooted and grounded in love that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, meaning all of us together, we kind of need each other in this, the strength to comprehend, not a select few, available to all with each other, a result of rooting and grounding to comprehend what is the breadth of Christ's love, what is the length of Christ's love, what is the height of Christ's love, what is the depth of Christ's love. A.W. Tozer said it about this like this, a love which is wide enough to embrace the whole world a love which is long enough to last forever, a love which is high enough to take sinners to heaven, a love which is deep enough to take Christ to the very depths to reach the lowest sinner. The depth of his love, the width of his love, the height of his love, the length of his love. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Right? His love is infinite, and his love is beyond our imagination. But, but let's not forget what it said, that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, meaning we can know his love. It is not something that is aloof and distant, and I might as well not even try to figure out because I can't. You can, we can together. And when we do, right, and when we do, we become increasingly deeply rooted in his love. You notice the language of this text? It's talking about something far more than the surface, words like deep. In our inner selves, it's over and over. So the third thing, so we see that God give us his strength deeply in our inner beings. Second, deeply root us in his love. And third, give us an increasing, give, give us an ever-growing fullness in him. Give us an ever-growing fullness in him. <clears throat> so this kind of concludes, verse 19, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So bring some clarity to this. When we come to know Jesus as Savior, we are filled with his Holy Spirit. 
Right? We're sealed with his Holy Spirit. And so this is one function of the Holy Spirit is this initial filling, the, the fullness of his spirit. Never more or less you have the fullness of his spirit when you are saved. But there's a practical side of growing in him. And the practical side, kind of practical theology of the Holy Spirit is there's this ever-growing fullness that we can have in him. When we, again, so when we come to know him, we're filled. And as we grow in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is increasingly daily allowing us to experience the depth of his love and grow in it and experience him. And so says that as we do this, right, as we, as we, as he gives us the strength to deeply, deeply in our means, as he deeply roots us in his love, as he gives us an ever-growing fullness in him, says now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations and forever. Amen. See, there is far more going on that our hearts and minds can grasp. And so this text, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, there's basically kind of these three kind of commitments, these three things, or these, and not maybe, a, yeah, three with one added um, that he is calling us to. He's calling us to live in the strength of God. He's calling us to live a life rooted in Jesus. He's calling us to live a life filled with the fullness of God. And so I think the question that poses to each of us in the room is, do you want to? Do you want to live in his strength? Or are you good living in your own? Do you want a life rooted in Jesus or whatever else it is that you root your life in? Do you want to be filled with the fullness of God Or are you good just being where you are, no more, no less? Are you willing to commit to engaging with God in the next year, increasingly, to live in his strength, to live your life rooted in Jesus, and to live being filled with the fullness of God? See, I think in order to commit this, we use these words that there's some things that you have to do. It doesn't just happen. I think one of the commitments, I think there's, to be a 3C Christian, say it like this, is a commitment of saying, I will celebrate, right? I will celebrate. I'll gather every weekend to increasingly yield my life to Jesus. And second is I will connect. I will connect to grow close to the church, others by engaging in life, in communities with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And then the, the last, I will contribute. I will, I will contribute to engage by contributing my time, talents, and resources to see the gospel move forward in this world. And we do that, right, in order to, in order to um, reach our world, to extend the gospel to others with our lives, We do that to respond, that God has called us to respond by taking action with our lives. And we've done this to reproduce, that God has called us to be a church people who reproduce ourselves at every level. And we mean that, whether it's our own lives. See, the key of that is, are we a church that's worth reproducing? 
Am I a person that's worth reproducing? Is the study that I do, my missional community, my ABF, my, my, my Bible study, are these things worth reproducing or is it just good in and of itself and alone and done? So I'm going to ask you to stand. And on this kind of We Are NCC Day, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment. Now, some of you, maybe you don't belong here and maybe you're visiting with us and this morning... Um, this might just be a commitment for you personally with the Lord. Maybe others of you in this room, you, you are, many of you are members. You're connected here. You've been coming here a long time. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes, bow your heads, and I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand after I read a few things. And if you're willing to commit to this in the year ahead, you want to. I'm just gonna ask you to slip your hand in the air. And if you don't, it's okay. Everybody's got their eyes closed except the cheaters. And um, they won't judge you, so... But in the next year, if you want to live, by, live in his strength, you want to live your life rooted in Jesus, you want to be filled with the fullness of God, well, this morning, you commit to engage with God to see that happen. Slip your hand out there if that's you. Father, I pray for each and every person that's raised their hand. Lord, I pray that you would help us, Jesus. To engage you, the fullness of who we are, that we might know you, we might walk with you, that we might obey you, that you'd empower us by the presence of your spirit, that you would help us to not, to not run past the, the simple basics that make everything happen. And Lord, if, if we're known as a church by anything, that we'd just be known as a church that loves you, Jesus, that walks with you, Jesus, that obeys you, Jesus, that we increasingly see your kingdom come through our lives individually and our lives together as a body. Lord, help us in this year to come to do these things we've committed. Lord, I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing a song. And after we sing these all, and as we sing, these altars are always open for you to come and kneel and pray. Let's respond to what God has said today in song.